Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new and settling stories, taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. This is going to take a while to explain everything, so stay with me. I promise that it all comes around. My very first car was a dark green 2000 Volkswagen Jetta. It was the most basic of basics when it came to cars. No options whatsoever, except for an automatic transmission. It cost me $300, it was slow, dumpy, no right headlight, drove straight with the steering wheel practically sideways and it let out a cloud of white smoke whenever it started. Every stereotype of a poor high schooler's car you can think of, my car was no exception. Despite it being a piece of German crap, I loved that car. I drove it every chance I had. I don't think a day went by that I didn't drive it. I named it Thunder Bunny. She was my baby. My beautiful green baby. But Volkswagens from that generation, Jettas especially, had a pretty bad flaw in the automatic transmission. I'm not sure exactly what causes it, but essentially the transmissions gradually get worse and worse until the car won't shift into third gear. And there's not a thing you can do from there. So a couple of weeks after Halloween in 2019, I was going about 30 miles per hour when the engine suddenly roared and the car wouldn't speed up. I feared the worse, and my fears were justified. My dad, a mechanic, didn't even have hope for my baby. She was already gone. And so, much to my dismay, we began looking for a new car. It only took us about a month to find it. A dark green 1999 Volkswagen Jetta. Exactly like my old car. Except for just about everything. It was faster, had heated leather seats, automatic windows, a sunroof, everything. All except for an automatic transmission. I knew how to drive manual, so it was perfect for me. I had a new baby, moving up from the crackhead neighbor girl to Scarlett Johansson, at least in my eyes. I loved that car even harder, named it Little Boy, and I was happy. Okay, I'm about to get to the story, but I have a few more quick things to explain. You can skip this if you want. It's important, but not vital to the story. First is for people that might not know, but when you have a manual car, you cannot leave it in gear and take your foot off the clutch. If you do, the car will stall, which is not ideal. So if you do leave your car in gear, you need to turn the engine off before taking your foot off the clutch. If you don't want to turn the car off or have it turn itself off, you need to pull the handbrake or it'll roll away. Guess what the only real broken thing on my car was at the point that this story takes place? If you guess the handbrake, you're right. Okay, so now to the story. I started working as a pizza delivery driver in a smaller, growing town in Michigan. It was good money, but every once in a while, I delivered to an incredibly sketchy place, even had a few shotguns pulled on me. One night, I was delivering on a Friday. Usually, Fridays are very busy, but this day was a little bit slow. So when a delivery came in at 8.30 p.m., half an hour before we closed, I jumped on it. I realized it was 7.1 miles away, 
so all of the closing jobs would be done by the time I got back, and I'd be able to leave for home immediately after returning to the store. The delivery was way out of town, in a wood-surrounded neighborhood, but again, no work when I got back to the store. Seemed like a good deal to me, and I'm all about those sort of deals in life. So I climbed into my car, went to drive the 7.1 miles away. As I pulled up to the house, I began to get a bad feeling. The house was in a small trailer park type neighborhood next to a lake, the kind that the houses are all a good distance apart, and the occupants all likely had a drug problem. The house itself was completely dark. No lights inside, none outside. There was a single car in the driveway and an open window on the side of the house. I pulled in behind the car in the driveway and sat there for a moment. I had this clawing feeling that something was off. By the house being completely dark, I mean, there wasn't so much as a nightlight that I could see. Usually when I deliver to a dark house, there's at least one light on upstairs or something that would signal someone being awake, waiting for their pizza. But the house, it seemed dead. Nevertheless, I put the car in gear, turned off the engine, grabbed the small, cheapest pizza we had, and got out. Without my headlights on, there was nothing. I could barely see the house. The only light was the dim moon above. I walked onto the porch, past the big open window to the front door. As I reached the front door, that's when I saw it. The door was slightly cracked open, just enough for me to see into the void of the house. Thinking of every single horror movie I'd ever seen, I said aloud, that, and hurried back to my car. Now, I'm a tall, well-built looking guy, but despite my wide shoulders and baggy hoodie, I'm a frail thing and can hardly fight off a small dog. I got into my car and turned on the engine. My headlights illuminated the house and almost simultaneously, the living room light behind the big open window lit up and a single man looked out and walked to the front door. I cussed at myself and weighed my options. If I went up to the door, I could die. If I noped out of there, I would be 110% fired. That meant no new car part, no gas money, no cute dates with my girl, just sitting at home doing virtual schoolwork. It was a stupid choice, I know, but I grabbed the pizza and opened my door, making a choice that I'm damn glad that I made. I took the car out of gear and climbed out mostly so my engine would still be running so that if I needed, I could run back and immediately take off. I walked to the door where the man had opened it the rest of the way. As I got closer, I got a good look at him. Now, I'm not one to judge a person based on their physical appearance, but this guy's head was cleanly shaven and he was covered in tattoos. He was wearing a pair of gray jeans and a white tank top. He had a scowl on his face and was staring me dead in the eyes. I looked past him for a moment into the house, which was completely empty. As I got close enough that I started opening the pizza bag, he started to reach around his waist. I stopped. That's when I noticed the most evil grin I'd ever seen across a human's face. I knew in that moment that I was about to die. I'd always heard your life seems to flash before your eyes. I thought about my girl, that she wouldn't know what happened. My work would stop delivering upon my disappearance, 
assuming that my body would never be found. My dad would regret telling me he was happy for me landing this job. That's when I heard it. That distinct sound of gravel under tires. My only pathetically small chance of escape was now rolling away. I didn't even have to look back at the car to know that. I just stared at the man and was about to say fuck you when he looked back to my car. I heard the sound of that car rolling. It was getting closer. The guy's eyes went from the driveway to behind me. I finally looked over my shoulder. My car had rolled backwards and had come to a smooth stop near the mailbox of the house. I looked back at the guy who had a nervous look on his face now. He looked back at me, scowled once more, and took his hand from around his waist. He reached into his front pocket, took out $12, and handed it to me. I gave him the pizza and watched him slam the door shut. I ran back to my car and practically tore the door off trying to get in. I looked back at the house, and that man was standing in front of the window, staring right out at me. You better believe I nearly spun the tires on my way out of there. I kept glancing at my mirrors until I started driving under streetlights. It was easily the scariest moment I'd ever had. I couldn't put this together until later, but I do think that this guy had malicious intent in mind. The way he looked at me, the body language, and that god-awful sneer. I think I was faced with real danger that night, until my car started rolling away. The best that I can figure is that this creep thought that I may have had someone else in the car with me, and that whatever horrible thing he was going to do, he would have to do it twice. And maybe, he just wasn't prepared to do so. As soon as I got back to the store, I told my boss about it, and she called the police. We never did hear anything about it. I assumed they went to the house, and only found a small cheese pizza. I started carrying a knife on me at all times and my boss is considering getting trackers for our pizza bags. Only recently, I realized this is a sort of butterfly effect. I thought it was the worst thing ever that my transmission went out, and I cursed Volkswagen for designing such a terrible automatic transmission. But if that transmission was still working, then I would have still had that car when this happened. I would have put the car in park, and it would have sat there, while whatever would have happened to me, happened. I have absolutely zero doubts in my mind that that man was planning on murdering me. So, shitty German engineering saved me from getting murdered that night. I'm going to preface this by saying that this is 100% true. As much as I'd like to be a writer, I am not one. I've scrolled through this sub a hundred times thinking to myself, has anything happened to me that I could post? Like I'm sure we all have. It wasn't until last week that I started thinking about posting my dad's story here. Now, if this is not the right forum, I'd like to know because my father is the best person that I know and I want to share his story one way or another. Spring 2014. It's the slow season for my father's business. The weather is nice and roads are clear, which means slow shifts at an auto shop. It was mid-April, around 4 p.m. The wind was pulling in a nice spring breeze when my dad, Bill, was walking along the side of his shop. It happened to overlook a small stream and running trail, which he enjoyed gazing at near the end of his shift. The side of his building ran along the top of a steep hill 
which turned into the path. He heard a rustling in the wind, and about halfway down the hill, he sees a big blue tarp. Being very proud of his business and its appearance, he started to climb down the hill. He was just about to grab for it, maybe 15 feet away, to toss it in the dump, when he saw a car pull into the lot. He turned around and went to help his customer. As 5.30pm rolls around, he closes up shop and heads home, forgetting all about the tarp. The next afternoon, Bill is sitting in his office when three policemen came in. They asked my father and co-workers a bunch of questions about any suspicious behavior they might have seen. Side note, my dad is extremely charismatic and friendly. He oftentimes talks people into sharing information with him that they really shouldn't. He looks like someone you can trust, and he seemed to always have the insider details about things like this. He used his humor to make people feel comfortable, which helped getting strangers to open up to him. Anyway, so Bill and his co-worker Hank are talking with a female police officer when she lets it slip that a body had been discovered just down the hill from the shop. Oh shit, I was just down there yesterday cleaning. I didn't see any body though, Bill said. Around what time? Did you happen to see a large blue and white tarp while you were cleaning the area? The officer asked intensely. Um, actually, yeah. I almost grabbed it yesterday, but I ended up getting distracted. She asked him more questions about what time, what he saw, etc. When he asked her if the body was found in the tarp. Why, yes, it was. A woman jogging found it this morning around 10.30am. My dad was floored. He was just there yesterday. After a few more questions, the police all head to the crime scene to finish the initial investigation. No one was allowed on the scene, and the police were asking that passerbys not take any pictures. Flash forward a few days. The police went back to my father's shop. They noticed the security camera set up around the building, and they were hoping that they might have caught something on tape. While transferring the data, my dad started asking more questions about the murder. He learned that it was a middle-aged man, that he'd been stabbed to death. Not too much to go on as it seemed. Hey, you know there are a couple of meth heads that live in this shack behind our shop. It's connected to that bar? Bill started talking about his own predictions for whodunit scenarios. He continued, Yeah, we have a lot of problems with them. Stealing scrap metal from the back, letting their dogs run wild. Even had him threaten to shoot me once when I was spraying their dogs with water to stop the barking. You should check them out. The officer nodded, gathered the rest of his things, and left. Hey Hank, let's go down there. See if we can find anything cool, my father whispered to his co-worker. Um, alright. I guess it couldn't do any harm, Hank replied hesitantly. They started down the hill where the trench was found. The grass was flat, and the tarp was now gone. They walked around for 15 minutes or so, when Bill headed up the stream just a little ways. The trail runs under a main road, and then leads to a man-made lake. Just under the bridge, the water starts to get heavier, and the trees are a bit thicker. He noticed a red Lowe's cart in front of one of the trees. I'm taking that for the shop, he thought as he ran over to pull it out from the stream. Calling over to Hank for help, the two of them pull it out and start wheeling it back up the hill. When suddenly, my dad stops. He sees something on the cart. What is that rusty-looking stuff? Hank, stop. Look at that f***ing cart. Is that blood? 
they looked closer, and sure enough, blood. It was all over the cart. On the handle, the wheels, the side. But it wasn't only blood they started to notice. It looked like there was hair stuck between notches on the cart. Utterly stunned, my dad calls the policewoman he had been talking to the previous days and explained what they had found. For whatever reason, the PD were very skeptical that this was evidence. At first, they didn't even want to believe my father. When he told them that it made no sense to make up, they finally sent out a car. There were two police officers and a CSI. The CSI asked my dad why he thought this was blood. Well, it looks like blood, sir. I'm not sure. How do you know that that is human hair? The CSI asked. Because it looks like human hair, my dad snapped sarcastically. Why did the tech seem so hesitant? They used a chemical test, and sure enough, it tested positive for blood. They took the card as evidence, and ultimately thanked my dad. Again, my dad tried to give his opinion on who the mystery killer might be. He suggested again that they talk with the crazy neighbors behind his auto shop. Still no information was taken down, and the police left with what they had. Two more days pass. My dad is leaving the shop to get some things from Costco. There's a small dirt alley that leads to the main road, just behind his work. In the past, it had been blocked by one of the meth addict's cars. They were complaining to my dad and his boss about the business driving cars back and forth through the alley, disrupting them. He notices it's open, and decides to take the shortcut to his destination. But something was off. He saw the usual blocked car sitting in front of the shack. The door was wide open, and there was someone sitting on their knees with their upper body inside the car. My dad got in his car and crept up, just a little, so that he could see what was happening. He right away recognized the skinny red-headed woman as the female that lived in the shack. It was the shack guy's wife or girlfriend my dad didn't exactly know. She was on her hands and knees, surrounded with hard chemicals, bleach, comet, oxyclean, and much more. My dad had said that he knew right then that they were guilty. For one, why would someone be scrubbing their car with straight chemicals? No water, no rinsing. Second, they happened to be only two blocks away from a local car wash. He said that it felt off, and he knew to trust his instincts. She just kept scrubbing and scrubbing the passenger side floor. He pulled out his phone and began recording her. Now, he's known this woman and her significant other for a few years now. Like I said, they complained about my father's workers and he complained about their dogs on and off for a while. It was all harmless bickering. My dad, always trying to be the funny guy, yells out his window as he's driving past. Covering up a murder? He laughed and drove off, hearing her say, you as he drove by. This time, when he called the police, they took it very seriously. He explained that she was cleaning the car aggressively, and that it seemed like she was trying to bleach something out of the car. The next day, PD went by to talk with the residents of the shack. The day after that, they made an arrest. After searching the shack, they found a large blood stain soaked into the plywood floor. Once the blood was seen, the wife girlfriend, whoever she was, crumbled and told the police everything. It was her, her husband, and the victim. The victim was named Rich. He had gone over to their little house to shoot up and get high. Someone ended up accusing Rich of putting some of the dope aside for himself. 
and that's when things got heated. Eventually, the husband started to physically fight with Rich. Then he stabbed him. Rich bled out on the floor and died right there in the shack. The junkies didn't know what to do, so they stole the Lowe's cart to move him around, loaded him into the car, and wrapped him in the tarp before pushing his body down the hill. They ditched the cart, thinking the river would wash it down far enough that it wouldn't be found. My dad and Hank sat in their car while they watched the police arrest Don, the suspected murderer. The following days and weeks, we see this story on the news, highlighting the murder, Don's arrest, his trial, and ultimately, his sentencing. To this day, my dad is still very proud of being the linchpin to solving this case. He's joked more than once about wanting to start up his own PI business because he solved this case all on his own. Great job, Dad. I'm proud of you, too. This happened to me a few years ago when I lived in my old, one-person flat. I had been having the strangest feeling that something wasn't right for a few nights. Like, I was sure that the food in the fridge was less than what I had put back the last time. I found pillows from my couch on the floor, things that I couldn't explain. I lived alone back then, so there wasn't anyone else with access to my flat. Or so I thought. Well, one night, I woke up around one in the morning, sweating, and even though I didn't remember, I was sure I woke up from a nightmare. Since I was drenched in sweat, I decided to take a shower, so I put my phone up in the bathroom for music, turned on the water, and proceeded to enjoy my shower. After a few eventless minutes, I heard the bathroom door move. I never close it, but it never moved in the past. I took a look at the shower curtain and saw the faintest shadow against it. A subtle look at my phone confirmed that someone was there since I could clearly see a reflection in the screen that showed someone standing right next to the shower curtain. It took me a lot not to scream and to act as if I didn't notice a thing, while silently taking the shower head off the holding and turning the water all the way to hot. I'm still kind of impressed with that quick thinking. Our water got really hot when you cranked it all the way up, and a few seconds later, steam was rising and the water hurt my feet flowing towards the drain. I turned around, ripped the shower curtain open, and held the shower head right at the person behind it. It was a woman. She screamed in pain, and I whacked her in the face with the shower head and jumped out of the shower running to the door in one fell swoop. As I made it to the door, I removed the key from the lock, which locked the door and closed it behind me. A little while later, after this woman had regained her composure, she began to bang on the door, but... The door didn't give. Thank God for German quality work. I phoned the police and went to the kitchen to get my big kitchen knife, just for safety. I felt like my throat was closing up when I looked at the kitchen block and saw that knife was missing, realizing only then that there was only one possible place that it could be, with that woman. The police came and arrested the woman without incident. Turns out, she had been a former resident living in the flat, and she had been evicted after not paying rent. Seems that she had made a copy of the key and came into the flat when I was at work and sometimes while I slept at night. 
it's possible that what woke me up in the first place was her. And honestly, I don't even want to think about it. Ever since then, I always insist that the locks are changed when I move into a new place. It seems like a foregone conclusion that this should be done anyway, but you'd be surprised as to just how often that practice is ignored. <laughs>